Are you a kiddo who dreams? Kinky dreams? Dreams of wearing pants like the ones you grew up with? Well, golly gee, dream no more. Kinky Dreams specializes in printing cute vintage designs of diaper prints, superheroes, and cartoon characters on adult diapers. These handcrafted pants will leave you feeling your full baby fantasy. If you want to get your grabby hands on one of these one-of-a-kind diapers, make sure to use promo code PLAYTIME for 10% off all Kinky Dreams products. Kinky Dreams, making your little dreams come true. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsies Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to want my pamps. I am your host, Newsy Baby. In this episode, I want to talk about inspirational black babs and pups within our communities. Each February, National Black History Month serves as a time to reflect on the achievements of our black brothers and sisters and those that are non-binary, and a time to confront the injustices the black community has endured and still endures today. My first guest is a black content creator that inspires me to be more open about my love for diapers. Crinkle Pants was recently featured in two Instagram pages that don't, to my knowledge, feature guys in diapers. I brought Crinkle Pants into Newsy's Nook to talk about his achievement and also why representation matters. It feels uh, really amazing. Um, I had uh, searched through a lot of their um, like pictures on the the guys in gear podcast and i didn't see any other diaper pups on there um so it's really cool to i'm not going to say that i am the only one because i mean there could be another i'm just not 100 sure <laughs> but i'm just i'm gonna say maybe like 95 sure um that i'm the only diaper pup on there and it it also feels good um to be able to um show this this part of me um on that um on that page because if you look at that page like there's a lot of puffs there's a lot of guys in leather there's a lot of guys in rubber and latex and stuff like that and um i mean we all know that the avdl fetish can cross over into other things but um to be able to actually see that on there and represent for that is i think it's really really cool Right, because we never see it, right? We we see all these like muscle pages or all these other like pup kink Instagram pages and we never see diaper boys or diaper people in general. And so I think it's really cool that, you know, you got featured. Did you have to submit your picture or did they just find you? Yeah, so I um I submitted two pictures. <laughs> A little bit of a funny story. Okay, so um I submitted um two pictures uh the first one they didn't respond to and then i think it was just like a picture of me in a jock strap or something or i might have been in my pup gear but my whole ass was pretty much out <laughs> and um so i sent a second picture um and i said hey just sending a second picture for consideration thanks for your time um and it was the jock strap picture that i posted not too long ago and um finally they have responded back and they were like we love the pictures but do you have any with like less ass showing <laughs> because <laughs> it's too because, much ass for instagram right <laughs> they were like um uh we just can't show that because like instagram will you know flag us or whatever so if you can uh send us a picture where you know there's not as much ass showing we'd love to post and i was like okay um so that's when I was like, you know what? I haven't seen any like diaper pups or anything on there. And I was actually really nervous because, because of that fact. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, I don't know if I should send this because like, I was just be, I was just afraid of being judged and them just not responding to me or them maybe even blocking me or just thinking, we're not gonna post this. Like, what do you think this is? Like, you know, so. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to send it. And if they don't like it, okay, whatever. Um, and if they do, then okay, cool, great. Um, so I sent it and um, they said they loved it. And they literally posted it right after I uh, sent it to them. So, um, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. 
And I totally get that too, right? Like you don't know how they're going to react, but the fact that they did react so positively, I think shows that, you know, people are more accepting of this kink than I think we give them credit for sometimes. Right. And it's doing quite well. I mean, it's only what a day old and it already has a hundred likes. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. And one person who commented that who what's his name again? Oh gosh. Where is I think he? it's a uh... Brad. Brad, uh the muscle dog slayer. Uh, he yeah. commented and I asked him too, saying, like, you know, what did you what did you think of you being featured? And he said, I think it's great and I think more people should be doing it. So there yeah, you go. Um I think uh we definitely need more more diaper pups out there. I know they're out there. <laughs> um, and it's been a really great experience too um, because I've gotten people that DM me, at least like three people have DM'd me. Um, and they said that they have had, they were either like curious about diapers, like two of them were curious about diapers, but they just never got involved with them. So they were like asking me questions and things like that. And uh, then the third one said that he had a friend uh, that was into them. That was actually a pup too. And just thought it was really cool. Do you feel like if more diaper pups submit their pictures for these pages that, you know, feature other content creators, do you feel like it would lessen the taboo that's stuck on this kink? Yeah, um, I definitely think that more exposure would do that because um, I think that the more that they get exposed, the more that people are going to see and then the more people are going to have questions. And I mean, that's like the seed for everything is the question why that's how you learn. Um, so I definitely think that if diaper pups are more exposed on these types of pages that it would help to eliminate more of the stigma. And I think that's pretty much been the case with, you know, a lot of the different kinks that are out there. You know, they just kind of, they're just kind of in the shadows at first, but then they just have this moment where people just don't care anymore. And then they just start to, you know, post and send it to pages like that. And then eventually it just kind of explodes. And then now it's like the thing, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I definitely think that um, more exposure would, be great for that niche part of the community. Right. And even all body types, right? I think sometimes, at least for me, I get in my head like, Oh, God, I don't have abs, or you know, I don't have blonde hair and that and it's like, no, just present yourself be you and let the other person, you know, if they want to feature you great. Right. Um, that was definitely um, another thing that was very nerve wracking because uh, looking at that page, there's a lot of guys on there that, you know, have really great bodies and they're like ripped and they have the abs and the biceps and the pecs and everything. And um, it could be like looking at all of that, it could, I could see where it might stifle um, someone from wanting to post. Um, but guys in gear, you know, even though they do have those types of guys on there, they do have um, guys on there with different types of body shapes. So that was something else that did help give me some confidence in being able to post as well. Let's turn now to representation and diversity. In your opinion, how do you think we as a community are doing in terms of representation and diversity with of people who are posting you know black content creators cubs bears what's your opinion um if i may i would like to just give um an example of something i went through this past summer mm -hmm. so um i went to a place called uh circle jj ranch and um, it was like, I think it was, uh, it was pup weekend and it was a really, really fun time. It's like a, a clothing optional camp. So <laughs> there were people walking around just butt ass naked. Um, you know, there was a pool and it's in the woods. So, um, and then they have like different events you can do and stuff. It was just a really great fun time. 
um, and they had a, a pup contest. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to enter at first because I, I had never done one before, um, but I decided to go ahead and enter. And the reason why I decided to go ahead and enter was because I was literally the only black pup there. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> and I never let something like that, you know, keep me from interacting with people or um, having fun. But I can't lie. <laughs> it is something that I noticed. Uh, not that it matters a whole lot to me, but it's definitely something that um, I noticed. Um, so that's why I went ahead and I did the contest and I got um, third place. And the reason why, like I said, I did that was because I wanted um, other pups of color and other pups with, you know, body types more like mine, you know, chunky, stocky guys to know that um, we're out here and, um, you know, you can reach out to us for any questions that you might have or just to gain confidence and inspire you to be able to go out and do the same and make friends with other pups. Um, and then as far as the, the question that you had with the content creators um, and the body types, I think that it's definitely getting a lot better. Um, I mean, if you go on to Twitter or Instagram or, you know, whatever platform, um, I think that the diversity is definitely getting a lot better um, when it comes to people of color, when it comes to different body types. I think that there are still some, uh, what would you call it, uh, kind of like brainwashing or like conditioning when it comes to, um, you know, specific body types. But I, I definitely think that those barriers are being broken down, which is why we're seeing more and more um, positivity when it comes to um, people of color and um, people with different body types posting. Yeah, and it goes back to that whole representation thing, right? You were featured on Guys and Gears and you had people ask you about diapers and, it, and the formula works the same way almost, right? It's it's the more we see, you know, chunky, sexy, black content creators such as yourself, and we see, <laughs> you know, hairy little tiny white kiddos like myself, you know, more people get comfortable with their own bodies because they're able to see it. And so then, exactly. and then they can start reaching out and being like, hey, I think you're really sexy. And then, you know, the reverse of that is like, well, you're really sexy, so I want to see what you post, and then they get comfortable posting, and then right. we kind of break this whole yeah. weird algorithm system that I don't fully understand, but I've heard it's out there. Um, yeah, it's like a positive domino effect. Right, exactly, and it's so easy to do, right? And so my question to you is, how do we how do we break this? Uh, I'll use your word, conditioning that we're seeing on social media. I mean, do you feel like breaking it is every content creator I see I just like and repost? Is it more of reaching out to people saying like, hey, I really like your stuff. You know, you should post more. I mean, how do we break this conditioning? Um, I think the very first thing is that we have to talk about like what, what the actual conditioning is and, and what that has done. So, you know, whenever you look at TV and, and magazines and, you know, billboards and advertisement and things like that. Um, the conditioning has been a specific type of body, you know, where like you have the abs and the ripped pecs and the biceps and all that. And when you see something for so long, so many times, and, um, you know, it just kind of sort of becomes like normal to you. So that's why it, it that, has become the quote unquote norm or the pinnacle of what is supposed to be, what you're supposed to want and what you're supposed to try to attain. And if you're not that, then <clears throat> you are lesser than, you know. Um, but I think the way to break that is to 
you first have to learn to love yourself. And the way that you go about doing that is just knowing that you're fine the way that you are. And there are other people out there that are going through the same thing that you are, but they came to the conclusion that you don't have to give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. <laughs> I mean, they're not paying your bills. They're not putting gas in your car. They're not putting food on your table. Uh, their two cents is not going towards any of your bills. So um, I think when you start to get that mentality, it really helps to build confidence. I mean, that's what happened with myself. Um, just stop caring what other people thought about me. And that helped me to become comfortable in my own skin. Um, and uh, once I became comfortable in my own skin, that's when I had started posting. And um, then I, once I started posting and reaching out and networking, I saw that, um, you know, there were other people who were just like me um, and people going through the same exact things that I was. And once I learned about that community of people and that I had that backing, um, it just really helped to make me feel better about myself, um, which was a huge boost to my mental health too. Um, so I think that's one way to go about breaking that conditioning. And then, like I said, you know, when you, um, start to see more people share that type of content and it's getting more exposure, um, people are going to start talking about it more. And when people start talking about it, whether if it's positive or negative, either way, it's still getting exposure. Um, and like we mentioned previously, when it's going to get that exposure is um, when those barriers can start to be broken down. Right. And I can only speak for myself. I know that whole uphill climb of, you know, getting comfortable with your own skin mm -hmm. is, a, is a struggle and it does take time and it's not an overnight thing, but it's small no. things, right? It's, it starts with, you know, maybe just posting one picture of yourself that you you know may have taken 30 minutes to achieve <laughs> but you've done it and you post that one and you're like okay i've done one thing and then it's a little more and it's a little more and the thing to keep in mind is you go at your own pace and you get comfortable at right. your own time exactly i mean um when i <laughs> when i first i'm sorry i'm just thinking about like you kind of put me on a memory lane like uh when I when I first started posting stuff, and this is like all the way back in the day, I'm talking about like, like, like diaper boys day. <laughs> um, oh, God, we're way back there. <laughs> yeah, like 2008, 2009. Uh -huh. um, I, I just remember like, when I first started posting, I definitely was not as confident um, posting as I am today, especially with the, the type of content that I post. Um, so yeah, definitely agree with what you just said. So much confident that you actually have created a song called Diaper Boy <laughs> Swag, where I haven't seen a lot of ABDL content creators create songs. Where did that come from? Um, writing music is, uh, it's a hobby of mine. Unfortunately, it's something that's a little bit more so on the back burner now these days. Um, but it's something that I still enjoy. And um, I've always wanted to make an album. And so I just decided to go ahead and finally do it, just get it off the bucket list. So um, I always had a dream of um, doing like a short little EP of um, like original ABDL songs. And so I had a friend um, that was a sound engineer and he, um he made a song for me and he is he's a he's a vanilla friend but um very open-minded and so i just went to him and i explained what i wanted to do and so and i told him like the type of sound i was looking for and um at the time i was sort of kind of in inspired by 
uh, Kesha and Maroon 5 type of sound, like a pop rock type sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, he, he produced it, uh, played it for me. I loved it. And um, yeah, I just started listening to the song and, you know, um, just started writing and then putting the words together with the melody and everything like that. And then um, uh, went to him. Actually, I went to, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Teddy Con mm-hmm. was where I first performed it. That's and... right. You did perform it. I, I think I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I performed it at Teddy Con. And um, I won the, the talent contest part. And it was really, really fun performing that. I'll never forget that moment. Um, but then after I had performed it, uh, Matty Kins, um, he's, uh, a, he's into sound engineering too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Baby Madikins, uh reached out to me afterward and he was like, hey, that was such a fucking awesome song. He was like, uh, have you ever recorded it? And I was like, no, uh, I had someone like make me the, the instrumental, but no, I've actually never recorded it. And he was like, well, I have a studio at my house and I live like five minutes away. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. Um, so yeah, after Teddy Khan, I went to his house and actually recorded uh, five songs. Wow. Um, but Diaper Boy Swag was the first one. And then um, it took me, uh, I, I stayed the night at his house because it, it took me like two days to record the five songs. And, um, but yeah, after Diaper Boy Swag was recorded, um, I just posted it to SoundCloud and um it just kind of blew up from there and it blew up from the performance and then i performed it at uh capcon 2 and it blew up from there and then ever since then um like <laughs> uh i've gotten um fan mail from this it's just so crazy to freaking think about um fan mail from people in australia the uk wow um yeah i i was just like like when i did it i i thought oh this is a fun cute little song or whatever and i, I definitely was not expecting it to cross seas like that and um uh like for instance somebody had just um messaged me uh whenever west coast jungle gym was and they said they were playing the song there and i wasn't even there um so sometimes they'll play it at uh ABDL conventions and stuff like that. And I, I won't even be in attendance, but people just that, know it and they. <laughs> you're like, I better be getting royalties over right, here. Right. I was like, I think I might need to talk to a lawyer or something. <laughs> well, no, I didn't know joking. you. I didn't know you created. I mean, I only see the one song on your on your SoundCloud. Do you think you'll write another one? Because it came I, out in 2015 and you mentioned Bambinos. And I don't know if Bambinos is still around anymore. Right. <laughs> um i definitely want to do more music i um i have some some songs in my archive um that i'm working on and you know it's just that things just keep coming up and getting in the way um but i definitely will um release another song i actually want to do another like a full album because the one i did before was just like an EP with only five songs, but I actually want to do like a full ass album. And I really, really want to do like before I even do that, though, I really, really want to do a Diaper Boy Swag music video like that. That has oh. to happen. Um, Like uh, what is his name? I think his name is uh, Masking Camel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But OK, uh, he had reached out to me to um, to be like the video producer of the music video because he like has these drones and all these cameras and stuff uh-huh. and i'm like yeah i would love for you to be the director you know and then we started talking about like um like mood boards and like themes for the video and like you know how the video would be broken up into different sections and what would be happening and mm-hmm. so i'll give you like like a little snippet of like what i'm imagining for the video okay. so it's pretty much basically like, because remember I told you I was inspired by Ketcha at the time. So um, the video would pretty much just be like, 
it would be a house party, but it would show you what happened after the house party. So there's like people laying around in their diapers and then it might show somebody and they have like marker on their face and just like balloons and beer cans and stuff laying around from like this mega house party that there was. And then like it would rewind and then show you what happened previously. And it was just like this really big house party with all these diaper people there and you know just having a really great time playing beer pong and flip cup and you know splashing in the pool so just like a big diaper party and it was just like a you know just like a big raging kegger and then everybody just passed out afterwards <laughs> i love it i love it yeah it yeah it does kind of have like a kesha vibe to it do you ha can i can i play the song after this interview yes absolutely okay i will definitely do that before we go though I do want to ask you, you are an inspiration to a lot of ABDLs. I mean, you wrote a song, you're featured, you're inspiring people every day. I want to ask you, what Black content creators inspire you? Uh, there's actually a couple of them. Uh, I'd have to say Kenzo, uh, Pup Kenzo, for sure. Um, he has acquired some really great accolades. Um, but even before he acquired those accolades, um, he was someone that I looked up to and definitely gained inspiration from. Um, another one is Kid Monster. I absolutely love the content that he posts. Every time I look at his content, it always brings a smile to my face. Um, and I'm just, I always wonder like, where does he get the time to post all this amazing content? Because everything that he posts is just like, you know, just the production value is just absolutely through the roof. It's amazing. Um, Toby, Toby Pup. Okay. Um, and the other one, oh, Lil Tabby Kid definitely is another one, uh, especially because I really haven't tapped into my furry side yet, but mm -hmm. uh, Lil Tabby Kid is someone um, that I was able to go to and speak to about um, all of my furry questions um i know there's so many you can you actually i was going to ask if you could send me all the all the links and then i'll put them in the show notes yes i definitely will all right there we go well thank you crinkle pants for coming to newsy's nook and talking about all your accolades thank you for having me um it was a really fun time and uh i really appreciated it <laughs> of course see ya have a good one bye bye I live my padded life in the fast lane. Only time I slow down is when I need a change. Club kids agree, we gon' party until three. We don't need a party break, cause we don't stop to pee. Nope. I rock them bambinos with them teddy bears. Stock for show above my waistline, I don't care. You a diaper boy, hands in the air. Go thicker, go home in some molecare.
got you in the zone. See me walking funny, cause I'm in a wet snuggies. Let me take a diaper selfie, snap, click with my phone. <laughs> you only got one life to live. One life, so live it up. Live it up. Like a diaper rock star! Yeah! We get padded up, then we party hard. Hear a sprinkle and we're walking down your boulevard. And we got the style that you wish you had. Diaper boy swag. My second guest in Newsy's Nook is a friend that I look up to daily. RJ inspired me to start Newsy's Nook, which is exclusively produced through his company, Playtime. I brought RJ into Newsy's Nook to talk about being a black business owner, and we also talked about the state of diversity within our communities. So we are talking about black excellence. You are the largest ABDL business owner. You are a black content... Can What? largest black owned business owner i don't, I don't that's think right we, we beat abu yet <laughs> you are you are the largest black owned abdl business owner you are a black content creator you're an entrepreneur you are an advocate for building community where yeah. does all where does all that come from um wow that's a really good question to start off with you just hitting coming swinging newsy um well, honestly, it comes through a couple of things. One, uh, I've just always been a very community-minded person. Um, my my parents, when I was younger, liked to joke that I was their "We are the world" child, uh, and that's kind of always how I've been. Um, I'm just a big believer that human beings are stronger together than apart. And so, when I set out to build my company, when I set out to create spaces for other people, I always kind of come from the mindset of community-driven is always going to be the most uh, the best approach, because that's how you're going to create the best success. Um, and so I kind of have taken that approach and the way that I built Playtime, the way I built my other company, Homeroom, the way I've built my life. I'm Polly, so <laughs> by my very nature, my personal life is, is community-minded. Um, I think I've just always been that way. And let's talk about Playtime for a second. You know, you have taken great pride in making sure all of the workers are either ABDL or kink friendly or kink positive. Where did you see a need for more, more ABDL businesses that one are owned by ABDLs and have ABDL workers? Um, yeah, yes and no. I think that um, ABU and Tykables have really set a really awesome standard of uh, hiring and bringing on individuals from within the community. Um, but unlike their organizations, Playtime tries to take a different approach and being a little bit more transparent and what those opportunities are. Um, I think, and maybe it's just, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, but I feel like the community really only sees the warehouse workers <laughs> and their and what they do when it comes to AVDL uh, companies. We don't really see anything from the marketers, from the operators, from the logistics experts, the social media managers. Like we're really only seeing the manual labor side of AVDL. And so um, when I set out to build Playtime, I tried to really highlight the uh, opportunity in other spaces beyond just manual labor, um, because I thought that that'd be a great way to engage audiences, get people excited, and just show them uh, their own potential that is kind of laying under, underneath the surface that they might not be able to see themselves. Right. And being ABDL and being a pup is such, you know, part of your persona. Mm -hmm. um, how does it feel to be a Black-owned business owner? Uh, <laughs> wow, that's a really good question. Um, it's both incredibly rewarding, uh, incredibly lonely, and incredibly angering, um, all at the same time. And um, what I mean by that is like it's it's very rewarding in the sense of the knowing that you're creating representation for people who don't have it. 
um, you know, my favorite thing to let people know is that like there was not a single ABDL company that had black models for their products ever until 2019, I believe, uh, when North Shore started to do it. Um, and even speaking further, there was no ABDL focused business that had block models at all um, until Tykables uh, came on came on the scene. Um, and to me, that's pretty pathetic, honestly. Um, and so for me, it was it's it's important that I think that there be representation for people outside of just the traditional, you know, skinny white dude that we see everywhere. Uh, so that was really important to me. Um, and so in that regard, it's it's frustrating and angering because it's like, hey, we exist too. It would be nice for that to be recognized. Um, so, but then it's rewarding because it's like we're providing that opportunity for people to see, you know, different body types and styles and and leaders and organizers um, outside the norm. So in that regard, it is very rewarding because it's like I feel like I get to be an example of what others can do um, beyond what the standard is. Uh, but then it's also uh, scary because <laughs> that comes with pressure um, and expectations, which you know some people put upon you and, and that can be sometimes really challenging to try to meet. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. And you bring up a very good point, right? Representation matters. We're always hearing that phrase representation matters. And of course, you know, there was no guidebook for you no. when you created this company. <laughs> and you bring up a good point setting, setting an example. What do you hope now that, you know, you have your business and now you are an example, what do you hope other ABDL future business owners gain from you? Um, well, a couple of things. One, I, I just really hope that people realize that it's possible to do these things um, with very little. You know, I mean, you know, I'm sure you remember Newsy. I started Playtime and I ran it 100% by myself for the first year. Um, so our, our Shopify, our website, our customer service, our Twitter, our email marketing, our influencer marketing, our ambassador program, our, uh, I designed our mobile app. Like I did it all 100% by myself for an entire year um, before we brought on Kim in April of 2021. And uh, that's a lot. <laughs> so I very much recognize that I'm kind of like an out of the ordinary person and being able to do all of that. But even at a very base level, like anyone can open a Shopify store, anyone could open an Etsy store, um, anyone can start a Twitter, anyone can start an Instagram. Um, but I think that a lot of people are intimidated because uh, no one really provides the guidebook, as you mentioned earlier, on how to get started, um, which is something that we're hoping to do at Playtime soon, is release information about how people can do these things themselves. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping is to be an example to other people of like, hey, even if you don't have you know, a lot of money, even if you don't have a lot of business contacts, there's so much knowledge out there on the internet um, that'll allow you to get started and a lot of really awesome programs and software that makes things easier. Um, so it's just more so about showing people that those things exist, getting them an understanding of how they can be used and showing how successful they can be when put into practice. What would you say to a future business owner that's listening that wants to start a business? What what piece of advice could you give them that that you wish someone told you before you started? Uh, can I say three? Am you can I say three. Yeah, you can say three. Want the first one? Just start. You can get caught up in forever trying to plan and figure things out and have it be quote unquote perfect and then never get started. The best thing that any entrepreneur can do or any person thinking about starting a business can do is just start. And that can mean figuring out how to open an LLC. That could mean just starting a Twitter account and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you guys think? It can mean, you know, sitting out emails to family and friends and getting feedback, whatever that looks like, just start. Because until you start, you're not going to know uh, what could happen. You're just going to be thinking about what could happen. Um, my second would be to really take advantage of the internet and do research. Um, when I first got started, I just Googled, you know, how to start an online company, how to open a business, how to, uh, how to file taxes. And, you know, it was a lot of learning on my own, but now there's tons and tons of resources out there on YouTube, on medium blogs, Substack sub newsletters, Twitter by itself. There's tons and tons of resources to get started. 
Um, I guess one thing I would let anyone know looking to start a business, the, one of the best resources available is Stripe. If you go to stripe.com, uh, they have a, a tool called Stripe Atlas, which costs $500. Uh, it can cost $250 if you look up for discount codes. Uh, if you Google Stripe Atlas discount codes, you can find some. Um, but it's 500 bucks and it'll form your LLC for you. It'll form it as a, a LLC that could be converted into a C Corp later in the state of Delaware automatically for you. you. It'll set up your Stripe accounts. It'll set up all your billing and invoicing for you. And then they even have a partnership with Mercury Bank to open up your checking account. So I think that's a really great resource for someone who wants to start a business who doesn't know what to do because they do so much of it for you. And that $500 is 100% worth it. Um, and then my third thing would be to not be afraid to make mistakes. You're going to fuck up a lot. I fucked up a lot. Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I could go back and do differently when I started, when I was building playtime, especially in our first year. But ultimately, all of those mistakes allowed me to understand what to do better. And we still have a long way to go. But now, almost two years later, we are in such a better place than we ever were before. And I have such an amazing supportive team, you being included in that equation. Um, that is, I wouldn't have gotten to if I hadn't made those mistakes earlier. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just accept that they happen and try to do better next time. And the final question on your business, what's the most rewarding part? <sighs> oh, it's seeing the potential in every single member of our team. Uh, like when Zevian started, he, I don't want to put his business, his personal information out there, but he was not a really good place. And he has become basically a notion and discord and education expert. Uh, Cry has a lot of medical issues and has been really struggling and has been really nervous about speaking. And lately he's been speaking up. In fact, one of our clients for Homeroom, who is a publicly traded company with like 15 million active users, Cry spoke up in a meeting and helped them make avoid making a huge mistake that would have had massive financial implications. And uh, they spoke up and were really knowledgeable and, and educated and uh, after told me that they felt like they could be confident because of my coaching. And seeing you take off with our this podcast that had become like one of the top, the top 100 listen to podcasts in the UK now, which is really freaking cool. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's seeing all of those things happen and, you know, Dylan with our social media and, you know, he took over and a week later, our Instagram was up like 639%. Um, so for me, the most rewarding has been seeing people who felt like life had put them in a spot where that was all it was going to be. And now they're starting to see their own potential and having dreams of things that otherwise they never would have done if they hadn't started working with us. So knowing that I'm able to make an impact on people like that has been incredible. And the crazy thing about it all is that if you go back to your mission statement, that is part of your mission statement. Your whole goal from the beginning has always been to, you know, bring people up with you and you have certainly done that. So I say, thank you. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about is, diversity, right? We talked about representation matters. Um, could you speak on, do you think we have enough diversity postings on Twitter, on Instagram? Are we seeing the diversity that we deserve? No. And I'm saying that even Playtime included in that. Um, like example, we don't have, we no longer have any female presenting or trans presenting ambassadors. Uh, we've, unfortunately, as we've, we've had them in the past, but the relationships just um, didn't work out. And so now we only have male or at least male presenting ambassadors, which is a problem. Uh, ABU to this day only has one single product that has a non-white model presenting it. And it's, I think maybe like two pictures, which is their active diaper suits. There is no other uh, products that they offer that has a non-white model model showing them. Um, and, and that goes for a lot of their social media, uh, it's just non-existent. Um, you know, Tykables has done a lot better, but they've done a really poor job at, with female, uh, representation on their end. Uh, and I'm not even going to speak to Bambino and that's a whole, we've seen how that's gone. So, 
Uh, no, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think the ABDL community has a very, very narrow-minded view of what they present and promote and what people respond to. Because I think that's the other side is it's a it's it, there needs to be fixes on both ends. I think companies, playtime included, as I mentioned, need to do a better job. But I think the community really needs to do a better job in supporting and uplifting creators outside the norm, um, and really giving positive positivity. Uh, and encouragement for those outside the norm. Um, and also sticking to their words. Uh, we saw a lot of people who are large in the community making comments about Black Lives Matter and all these various things, but then push comes to shove, how many of them have actually supported or promoted Black-owned businesses, not just in ABDL, but in general. Uh, it's a lot of performative uh, activism, and that is really, really frustrating to observe. So um, no, we have a lot of work to do. Well, instead of just leaving as we have a lot of work to do, let's get into, I mean, how, let's start off with how as a business, how does a business, and we can take any business, we don't have to keep it to just ABDLs. How do, how do businesses change that narrative of not having enough diversity? So there's a couple of things that, to keep in mind, right? Which is it's require it in one of the most important things to think about is it requires active work. A lot of companies will make the uh, will use the excuse of, well, we don't get black applicants or we don't get female applicants, but that's just you're just passing off the buck. If you all you're doing is putting up a link on your website and saying we accept diverse candidates, that's not even the bare minimum. You haven't even reached the bare minimum. That's actually not doing anything uh, because the issue is is knowledge and accessibility and access. If up until now the only applicants you're receiving are from one demographic and the, the outreach that you've done as a company to reach new applicants is only giving you one kind of applicant, then obviously your process is the problem. It's not the pipeline that's the problem, it's your process that's the problem. So what steps are you taking in order to actively be intentional about reaching diverse candidates? Are you reaching out to organizations that focus on women and non-binary individuals? Are you going to college uh, colleges that are historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs? Are you only going to the Stanford's, the MIT? and the, the uh, Columbia's? Are you actively putting out and promoting your job postings in areas that are being seen by diverse individuals? And then taking it further, are you making sure that your application process is accessible and knowledgeable and able to be viewed? And are you taking the steps to make sure that HR don't see the race demographic information so they're not able to make bias judgments? Are you possibly looking at applicants and removing the name so that way you're not worrying about unintended bias where someone sees a name that is quote unquote black or quote unquote Muslim and then making assumptions based off of that? Maybe remove the name so those assumptions aren't in consideration at all. So they're only seeing the context of the person and their knowledge and background. Uh, so that's a lot of those initial steps that businesses can take and the way they can think about it. For consumers, it really comes down to be, again, being intentional. How often do we just stop at Starbucks? How often have you maybe done a Google map search for black owned coffee shops or female owned coffee shops? Or when you're going out to buy stationery, like recently I wanted to buy a, a, a new notebook. Instead of going to Mars and Nobles or Office Max, I stopped and I said, you know what? I'm going to look up and see if there's any Asian-owned stationery, stationery stores. I went to one in Oakland and met this really, really amazing woman. She helped me pick out this notebook that I absolutely loved. It cost me a little bit more money, but you know what? I supported a local Asian-owned business instead of a larger conglomerate that doesn't need my dollars. Um, and it takes that kind of active work to do it. If you just say that you're going to support something, but then don't actually make any changes to your daily activities to reflect that, then you haven't even reached a bare minimum. And in fact, you've done more harm than good because you said something and didn't follow through. Has Playtime reached out to Black and uh, larger sized individuals uh, to be represented? We tried. Uh, so I had tried to reach out to uh, Recon uh, had a has a uh, magazine called Recon News, and it was previously headed by this really amazing black uh, content creator. And I reached out, but we just didn't get a response back, unfortunately. Um, so since then, I've been slowly identifying other black creators. Like we used to work with Pup Kenzo, um, and even though he's not a Playtime ambassador, we've always made sure to promote his events and stuff that he's doing over in New York. Um, and so we're looking at opportunities to do better 
and uh, to uplift. It's just, it's hard because you have to kind of search really, really hard uh, to find those opportunities. So it'll take time, uh, but we're going to continue to do so. You brought up an interesting point. It's hard to find these individuals. And if you've done any research on social media, you will find that there's an algorithm that for some reason or another, white twink content creators, ones with muscles, right? They fit this stereotypical norm of being, I'll say, quote unquote, hot, yeah. get more likes, get more followers. How do we change this algorithm? to see more diversity on our social media pages. <sighs> so that's hard. And really it's, it's not going to be easy. And I, I will say, because uh, one of the things that drives algorithms and a lot of people don't realize this a uh, quick little tech lesson, your phone's not listening to you. What's happening is, is that the Facebook pixel is everywhere. It's everywhere. What the Facebook pixel is, it is quite literally a one by one pixel that uh, use, uh, business owners, we, we used to do this uh, before, we don't anymore because I hate Facebook, uh, but it's a little pixel that sits on websites, inside emails, inside mobile apps, whatever it might be. And that pixel is what is able to be used to track your data and activity. So when you do a Google search for an item and then you notice that you get a Facebook ad for it, your phone isn't listening to you. It just means that whatever website you did the search on has the Facebook pixel and the application that's presenting you an ad also has the Facebook pixel. So because of that, it's able to dynamically show you information that's relevant to you. So because the vast majority of businesses on earth all use Facebook, it also means that it's able to uh, effectively show you advertisements at work. That's why Facebook is really mad at Apple is because Apple broke that by allowing users to opt out of them being able to be tracked from application to application. So just giving a little tech lesson on that, that is why it's gonna be so hard to make changes to your own internal algorithm because essentially you're undoing years <laughs> of user activity and, uh, and knowledge that uh, the Facebook pixel, Google pixel or other advertising platforms have gained about you. So what it's gonna mean is intentionally searching for black owned models or black AVDL models, or if you see one that pops up, liking that tweet, retweeting that tweet, replying to that tweet, because essentially what you have to do is intentionally tell the algorithm that you're interested in this content. So that way it will then start to display it naturally for you. But that takes again, intentionality, which is hard to remember and, and think about from day to day. What do you have to say? Cause I've, I've brought this conversation up before to other people and some, and one response that I got that make me, that made me take pause was, my profile mostly deals with, you know, twinks and because I'm a twink. And so I just want to repost and like twink content creators because that is what I'm known for. And that is what I want to build. And that is my business, right? You know, if they have an OnlyFans or just for fans, they want to continue to promote things that drive people towards their page. What do you say, you know, we've talked about, okay, it's, it's so simple to just like or retweet. What do you say to those people that say, you know, that's not the content that I want to be sharing? Uh, well, then I tell those people that you then have to accept responsibility for the fact that you are part of the problem. Period. I mean, I mean, I, I ultimately do feel that people are entitled to like what they like and have the preferences that they do. And that's perfectly fine. And if you want to curate your content and your page to only display one type of person, that's also fine. But with that, you have to take responsibility and criticism for being part of the problem. If you're not liking or retweeting diverse individuals in your content feed, then you are part of the problem. And if you want to, if you want to just accept that, that's fine. But you don't get to do that and then cry and then cry foul of saying, "Well, I'm innocent in the equation." No, you're complicit. But you're actively choosing to be complicit, and that's your choice. Let's move now towards uh, Black History Month. We're in the month of Fe February. We're celebrating Black History Month, or we're honoring Black History Month. Uh, I posted on my page because I thought the little I could do is promote other Black ABDL pup content creators. I thought that was the least I could do. And one person messaged me saying, you know, the history and culture of people of color shouldn't be regulated to a month on the calendar. And I am curious, what is your thought on that? I agree, but it's better that we have it than we don't. 
<laughs> like ideally black history should be just part of american history like and that's one of the things that is really frustrating is uh, a lot of black history gets regulated to a single month rather than being part of the everyday curriculum black people this country wouldn't exist without black people quite literally it was built off of our backs that's what literally what slavery was so let's first start there then even taking it further most of the modern a lot of modern day inventions were created by black individuals the elevator the traffic light modern uses for peanut butter most of our of our uh cures for syphilis and uh the research that we gained from syphilis was actually because of the tuskegee institute uh experiment where they purposely infected black individuals with syphilis in order to study them over the period of 20 years and basically wash them uh descend into madness and uh sickness over it uh so um literally a lot of our modern day society is built off the black the back of black bodies and black experiences uh, so I, yes i agree it should not be relegated to a month but at least we have a month where we can talk about it and we get to be in that highlight and we should at least take advantage of that moment and use it to the best of our ability let's turn now to you brought up that you've seen a lot of profiles on on instagram on twitter um that put you know i support black lives matter but we don't see sometimes we don't see you know the action towards it what actions can we take that that do support black lives matter um well i mean we've touched on a number of those right like uplifting supporting creators engaging and reposting their content actually using your dollars to then support those businesses um like that was one of the biggest frustrations that i found especially after the george floyd uh murder was you know you saw all of these groups pop up of like places to discover black businesses and people to promote um, but what a lot of people don't know is that in the past year those groups have basically gone dead because us black creators are posting and retweeting and putting our content there but then the vast community of people who you know were saying hey go here to discover aren't actually going back and shopping in those places themselves it was just again a lot of performative activity people aren't following through so if you're going to put those things in your profiles, then I expect or at least would expect to see regular, maybe weekly, maybe monthly. I don't know what that looks like for every person, but at least regular moments where you're reposting a black creator or making a purchase from a black owned business or making a purchase from a female owned business or, you know, putting your dollars and your content and your support and your engagement in those spaces beyond just throwing a hashtag in your profile. And final question. I talked to Crinkle Pants the other day and he brought up a story that he was at this pup event and he was the only black pup there. And then looking at your example, you are, to my knowledge, the only black ABDL, you know, business. Mm -hmm. What do you say to a, a you know, a black pup, uh, an, a, an ABDL who is black? and they don't see the diversity that they see what what and you know they might feel you know why why am i the only one what do you have to say to them or what encouragement can you give them my my encouragement is that one um take pride in the fact that you're the only one because who better to be the first at something than you you're beautiful you're amazing and you're brave for even being having the strength to be in that space so own it take pride in it and allow yourself to feel comfortable in the space because you belong there because you're pushing forward uh something that needs to happen um i will say that it's it, it's easy to and it does feel isolating especially knowing that there's not really anyone there who might align or understand your point of view or how you're feeling in that moment but take that and use that as inspiration to remain there so that way when the next person comes they don't have to have to go through that alone. Uh, and they have someone that they can look to and say, oh, there's someone else who, look, who looks like me who gets what I'm going through. Um, be that person for someone else that you wish you could have had. That is great advice. And it can be used for for all people, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if you're not super skinny or if you're really hairy or if you're trans, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't see the representation that you are, you can use that advice to push through it. Be the representation that you wish you saw, because there always has to be someone who starts it. If no one starts it, it'll never happen. There you go.
Well, thank you, RJ, for coming to Newsy's Nook. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was quite a joy, and uh, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, RJ and Crinkle Pants, for coming to Newsy's Nook. You can find the links to their social media in the show notes, as well as links to other inspirational black content creators that you, the listeners, sent me. Make sure to go check them out and give them a follow. All right, kiddos, I gotta go change. See ya. Bye. how to read i don't know how to read but i heard playtime has a new bi-weekly online kink magazine it's called play zine yeah i heard if i knew how to read i could read about different fetish lifestyles events entertainment and news i guess i gotta go to the playtime website to practice my reading skills